0: Is that what I'm saying?
1: Rough Trade Radio. Rough yeah.
0: Trade Radio. Rough 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 Trade Radio. Rough
1: Trade Radio. How's that? Hello and welcome to this special episode of Rough Trade Radio, celebrating our label of the month. I'm Emily Waller and today I'm joined by founder of Race Tapes, Robert Rath. Hi, Robert. Hey there. How are you doing?
0: Very well, Good nice to meet you.
1: Welcome to Rough Trade and big congratulations for being our label focus for this month. Um, I just want to quickly give a bit of a rundown of the background of Erase Tapes sure. uh, for anyone listening who perhaps isn't familiar with you. Uh, so Erase Tapes was founded by yourself back in 2007 and has nurtured avant-garde artists from all around the world, including, I've just got a few here, Nils Fram, Oliver Arnold's, A Winged Victory for the Sullen. Kiasmos, Peter Broderick, Ben lucas Boyson, Rival Consoles, Douglas Dare and a whole bunch of brilliant others. Uh, Throughout this time the label has remained genre-defying and truly independent and developed a very strong and loyal following. You've just celebrated your 11th year and I believe last year you marked your 10th anniversary by opening the Erased Tapes Sound Gallery in East London. I wondered if you could tell me a little about what it meant turning ten, and perhaps how that's shaped the last twelve months.
0: Sure, yeah. Um, well, it was very simple. Basically, uh, a couple of months um, before we turned ten, I just felt um, it's time to, you know, think about what we want to, what we want to do um, to truly show what the label stands for and mm-hmm. what our values are and my background is actually in architecture which most people don't know um i mean most people know i'm not academic in music but actually um my the only thing that i know inside out is architecture <laughs> um, and it was nice to kind of go full circle in a way that uh, i always had dreamt of building a place um, my main focus uh, back when i studied was sound architecture and. Mm-hmm. Kind of defining space uh, and thinking about um acoustics um so I kind of combined that with like um an eagerness to make things physical um like in in certain ways even though obviously like we've always cared about um vinyl records um simply the way I was brought up um I inherited vinyl <laughs> <laughs> um when the CD player took over um <laughs> and and yeah, and but it was more so that like I, I always felt for ten years it was fine to kind of uh, benefit from the digital age. Mm-hmm. Um, but as much as we benefited from it in in ways of promoting music in in ways of meeting in the first place, like most of us met through MySpace basically. Um, I did feel it was time that um, to kind of question that, you know, and to see how far, you know, do we want to go with this mm-hmm. and. I felt a strong sense of um, like a lack of physical um, relationship, you know, where you meet and make decisions on the spot, where you yeah. could like play play the ball, so to speak, and and just uh, yeah, be a bit more conceptual and, and of the moment. Um, so I I really felt strongly about opening a um, what we now call the Sound Gallery in East London um as a as a kind of sign or a symbol for that um and the whole experience was just beautiful because um a lot of early visitors kind of straight away sensed that what we used to do and still do with with sound um they could feel that in in the room you know that it's all about kind of creating a a bit of a a place of calm um uh, a refuge or, or like a haven away from the city noise mm. um, and I deliberately chose Victoria Park uh, Village because it's pretty much one of the only spots I know where like in the radius of like a mile or so there's no tube station hence there's no uh, souvenir shops, there's no Starbucks um, yeah. you know and, and Victoria Park is actually one of the few parks I still enjoy because they're not so overcrowded Um and yeah, and that was like the beginning of the tenth year, basically, <laughs> um, when we opened that space. And then throughout the year, we organised a lot of uh, like tenth anniversary festivals um, at South Bank, um, Village Underground um, in Bristol, at Colston Hall, mm-hmm. uh, and um, at Funk House in Berlin, and even Mutek in Tokyo. <laughs> so oh, wow. we kind of
1: truly international.
0: Yeah. In representation. Um, I mean, that's the beauty of most of the music that we um, we are home to is instrumental. And what in the past, when I started out um, forming what became Erase Tapes, a lot of people were very skeptical. Mm-hmm. And I always felt that they were looking down um, and thinking of instrumental music as a kind of niche. Yeah. Um, but really, uh, like just as it was most important to me, it actually is music that stays with you for, you know, your entire lifetime because it doesn't have like a phase where, you know, it's popular and then yeah. it, it dips out. It, it There's no boundaries, no language boundaries. So that's the beauty of it. it. It straight away, it became more about persistence and patience and just growing something organically um, around the world, and everyone has the same opportunity to discover this music.
1: So, e- even though you you see the music as you've you've just described, would you say that you were surprised at all by the level of success, the reaction to, you and almost like the pioneer status of Erase tapes? And was that your mission from the beginning?
0: No, it, w- it was all subconscious, to be honest. Like like I said, my I've never worked for a label in the past. I don't. I don't have the typical pave into uh music um I don't see it as an industry i, I accept that it can be and and I respect that for mm-hmm. people who who see it that way but um for me, it was always just a companion like like literally a friend sitting next to me when I was designing uh some crazy stuff you know in 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 my studio late at night and um to me it was like a gift um not meaning that music should be free but meaning that there's a a value that is way more than whatever you could pay for it you know it's it really can help you focus it can help you think further reflect things um it's really funny like how a lot of people make up names for this type of music. Yeah. <laughs> you know, contemplative music. And, and they go as far as giving it funny tags that make no sense and are quite contradicting. Um, but I think overall what everyone wants to express is that this type of music that has a bit more space in between the notes actually allows you to be yourself and it doesn't stamp a meaning onto it, you know, it, it really, it's, it's like an abstract painting, I guess, or, um, you know, something that kind of lets you decide what you want it to be. Mm. Um, and then everyone has their own way of expressing that, and I yeah. think that's fine.
1: Yeah, that ties in nicely, because I was going to actually comment that one thing I've noticed about Erase Tapes, ever since I discovered it, was, like, the incredible sense of community that the music, the artists, the kind of the culture of the label that you've kind of created? And would you say that collaboration and community is really important to you and the artists that you sign and whether that plays into who you're looking for to represent you and work with?
0: Yeah, yes or no. (laughs) (laughs) I think, again, it's not something that has ever been forced. Um, I think, again, it's a natural thing that happens when you meet over the internet it's kind of like dating i guess (laughs) um you're building i mean it just starts with a very innocent relationship where you just are both so excited about uh pushing atoms in a way you know just just creating something and at that point you have no idea what it will become but you have a lot of things in common so you geek out about the you know tiniest details and um and then, but then after a while, obviously you get tired of not really spending quality time together. So I think it was just a natural process where, at a, at a time actually, I started building a second hub in Berlin, uh, simply because many of the artists had, had moved there, mm-hmm. and it was more affordable to rent um, bigger spaces to record in, and especially for um, orchestral music or even an ensemble um it was actually really tricky to do that in london um so naturally we kind of build a uh, yeah a, a space a community around us um where we encouraged each other to to just play and um and out of that came a lot of beautiful collaborations um like you say and it is a quality that i think um I, I nurture and I also um I, I tr- I'm I'm really appreciative of that. And I do think it's a good um sort of role model for others to kind of look at what you can actually do um away from the kind of overly obsessive uh editing in like uh, you know music software and all that. Like we often tend to overthink and over labor and I think improvisation and collaboration actually lets us experiment and be a lot more sort of pure
1: yeah yeah a hundred percent um so speaking of berlin actually uh i couldn't really have you in and not mention nils fram and his wonderful new record that's just released all melody um he's very very kindly and we're very honored to have uh the exclusive 12 inch with five exclusive tracks on one of which i think he named very kindly after us the (laughs) roughest trade i was very excited when i saw that (laughs) um can you tell me a bit about the journey of that record and, and working with him, and because it's his seventh album with you now. Is that some somewhat of a milestone? Is there anything different about making this record?
0: Uh, yeah, everything and, and nothing <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's funny that, you know, like every day I read a review and, and most people uh, describe it as the seventh record. Some people... Uh, Count 10, 9, 8, I don't know. Like mm. I I, yeah. I never counted, but that is exactly the I would say that represents our relationship. Like we just um I discovered Niels for Peter, Peter Broderick. Okay. Um and they would um Niels was supporting Peter on a tour um throughout uh, south of Europe and Peter actually sent me like a link to like a YouTube video um of Niels playing and it, it was terrible. <laughs> it was really <laughs> I I couldn't quite figure out if, you know, what what was going on. Um, But like, because I trust um, Peter's intuition so much and as a musical kind of medium almost um, and friend, I I just looked into Niels and and what he did. And then I read a little bit about how he made a record just as a gift for his um, close family uh, for Christmas. And and he called it winter music. And um, only you know maybe years later um i I discovered the truth that um that he was he wasn't even thinking about making music with the piano so much, you know like he Pioneer. he learned um you know how to play the piano when he was young, but he turned his back on it because his teacher was like overly ambitious and i think at at a certain point Niels was just a you know just a kid that also has like other interests and he as many uh, just didn't feel that was natural. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess a bit like in ballet, when you have, like, a teacher who's, like, super strict and, you know, competitive. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, so, like, it it was nice to find out that he, after making a lot of, sort of, electronic-based music and exploring, like, analog synthesizers and keyboards and bands and all that, that he would sort of... uh, rediscover um, his origins and I think there's something like that that is in all of us and um, that's not exclusive to like erased tapes artists you know we, but I think I really like bringing that out of people and kind of focusing on that that you know whether with Wing Victory it was like sort of um, both going through like a um, like a failed marriage and as two individuals, they kind of started making music to kind of soothe each other and, and kind of get each other through that um, emotionally heavy part of their lives. Um, and what I really respect with Niels is that he cares about the sound as much as the actual music, you know, the, the, the notes. Um, and, and he doesn't compose as such, you know, he, he's, he's not academic, he doesn't write. Uh, scores and and then has people perform them he he's very much um a a man of the moment you know and and working with him for such a long time and especially in the the first in the early years um, also managing him i i just traveled with him so much that i figured that's what everyone loves about him the most the fact that he's at the heart of a, a space and he creates lots of different types of sounds and like a, He's like a collage artist, um, where every single detail is equally important. And the space is part of the whole uh, conversation and the audience as well. Um, so that led to Spaces, uh, which was like his breakthrough record um, in many ways, um, which was recorded live throughout the world and on cassette tapes for like two years. Um, and we kind of puzzled together a representation of what that is that makes him so unique and then with the new album it was kind of going the other way you know similar to how he's not been making music with the piano and then with Minta music for the first time rediscovering that sort of um, part of his DNA it was the same with all melody that he kind of for the first time wanted to focus on making a record in an isolated space but then very much thought about what he wanted that studio to be um and so he built like an entire studio over the course of 2 years um in in funkhaus in berlin which is like a legendary um place you know because it, it was basically um for many years it, it it wasn't in use and in in the past it was like um it was owned by the by the East german uh broadcasting um company, so it was like the place to record all different types of music in you know whether that's like a solo uh, uh instrumentalist or like a whole like choir or like a whole orchestra um and it's got these beautiful like reverb chambers built in that um you know Niels would kind of open up and and use again and and actually i think again it's like a perfect marriage because he cared so much about sound it it was just a natural thing that he would he would have to find a place like that where the place actually wants someone to, to work it you know yeah. that cares so much Yeah. Um, and that became all melody and it's just I mean for me it's just beautiful to see how we can keep um, discovering um, and exploring and it's you know, It's another chapter in his in his musical life that I'm really excited about.
1: It. Yeah, we are too. And um, I know that I asked you to select some tracks uh, before you came in today that maybe define Erase Tapes or just songs that you want to play us. And one of them, I think, is off Nils' new record. So maybe tell me which track you chose and why and we'll give it a play.
0: That's right. Um, it's a track called A Place. Um, I always like the titles Neil chooses. They're always very simple and close to yeah. the heart. Um, and this track, the pure reason why I chose it is, uh, it's part of the compilation that we gave you guys as, as um, you know, to celebrate the the label focus. And uh, there's a reason for that because it's actually the only piece on the album that I feel can represent it, um, sort of the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because it is, it's one of those records that I kind of liken to, um, say something like Miles Davis's uh, *Bitches Brew* or Pink Floyd's um, *Dark Side of the Moon*, where it's not so much about the inv- individual part; it's really about it being a like a full um, exploration. And and from the big be- from the get go, we wanted to um, to make a record that really lets people sort of um, yeah go into that other place and 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 start a, a discovery um so yeah it's 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 difficult to actually select a track yeah <laughs> that does it justice <laughs> but this is <laughs> certainly the closest to it and and I love it
1: okay let's hear Nils Farm's A Place That was Nils from A Place from his new album, All Melody. Um, could you tell me about another track that you've brought in today and why you've chosen it?
0: Well, I thought to kind of um, show a very dis- different aspect of Erased Tapes, um, I chose a track that is actually uh, one of the oldest pieces um, that came out on the label. Um, it's part of a, a beautiful record named Union Café. Uh, which was the last studio album by uh, the very famous uh, Penguin Cafe Orchestra. And for many, many reasons, I'm super proud of this uh, collaboration. Um, Just the way it came about is a miracle in itself. Um, So what happened was um, Simon, the uh, founder of the Penguin Cafe Orchestra, passed away in 1997. Um, I discovered their music... um, I think long after, I would say, early um, the noughties, like when I was, yeah, when I was studying, I, I think. Um, and then bit by bit, you would just come across another record, another gem. And um, as mentioned earlier, like m- my way of listening to music is, is through vinyl, um, simply because I grew up that way. Um, and... Um, it just so happened that that record was never available um on wax so um it was a complete hidden treasure to me um anyways over the years like I discovered um some of their beautiful records and and recordings and um uh as a collective i think peter Niels greg myself we all had a thing for penguin cafe orchestra um and would play each other records that we hadn't discovered yet um so then naturally we kind of looked into what was going on <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah we knew obviously that um the original um formation uh didn't exist as as that but um but then we saw that simon's son arthur and um, decided to continue um in his in his dad's um shoes with a t- slight change to the title, it would uh, be called Penguin Cafe without the orchestra, um, and he would start compose um, music in the vein of um, P.C.O. and yeah, and we we just kind of um, yeah saw saw a chance of kind of reaching out and and basically Niels invited uh, Arthur to perform at his Barbican Weekender um, two years ago and. I attended, and I was very nervous about meeting arthur and and um thought the show was absolutely beautiful and There was this one piece in there that I hadn't heard before, and it kind of kept bugging me <laughs> <laughs> um but on the night, I was too nervous to ask, and then we kind of kept in touch, and then eventually, after a couple of months like uh, his manager reached out, and we yeah, we just went for a coffee and. Because um, I mentioned if they ever worked on a new recording, I would I would love to hear yeah. it. And, and so we started working together. And then only after we released uh, Arthur's latest album with Penguin Cafe, um, we were hanging out in his uh, home studio, and he was just um, showing me around. And I discovered a CD copy of uh, Union Cafe. And I had never heard of that record. <laughs> so I got really excited. And then, yeah, he was giving me like a hard drive full of stuff that his father had done. Oh, wow. Um, that happened after the sort of major deal they had. And that was kind of, yeah, technically available. Um, so, yeah, I, f- I felt very sort of lucky to to lie down in, in, in the grass and listen to this record. Um for the first time, because it was literally the same as I had always discovered each record of theirs, and um, and then yeah, and then uh, suggested to to reissue it and for the first time like release it on vinyl as well, uh, which they agreed to, and Arthur even kindly asked me to write the liner notes, which was a a big honour. So uh, yeah, this track um, that I'm going to play you is called Cora Cora, and it's actually a solo piano piece. Um, because this record, very much to me, is about Simon figuring out, um, you know, where he wants to go and where he stands in all of this, um, having been diagnosed with cancer at the time. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a beautiful, very special piece.
1: So let's hear this: uh, Penguin Cafe Orchestra and Cora Cora. That was Penguin Cafe Orchestra and Cora Cora, super beautiful. Um, I think next you've got one from one of your long-serving artists, <laughs> Peter Broderick.
0: Oh, Peter! Yeah, I love Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I can't uh, possibly tell you how how yeah how how grateful I am that we uh, cross paths. Um, the first time I I met Peter he was actually supporting Afterklang another great great band um I thought they were the greatest band that walked the earth at that point um and so I went to see them at, at Bush Hall um, I think it was 2007 so very early on um and when I came into the hall he was standing on a chair and he was um you know singing um like top of his his lungs, and um, all the, because he's a, a loop artist, so at the time he was using the, the loop uh, station a lot to to create lots of textures and layers, and, and so all these like loops of guitar, piano, uh, God knows what, strings, um, were still ringing, and, <laughs> and he was just, yeah, practically screaming on top, and then he had this like plastic tube that was making this like, <laughs> you know, whistling sound, and that's all I saw okay. for like maybe a minute. And that was it. That was the end of his performance. <laughs> and I was just so taken by that. That was like a, such an inspiring minute um, where I just felt like, you know, whoever this guy is, but like just the way he carried himself and the way he, um, yeah, to me, he was like a, like a waterfall of music, of sound.
1: Had you founded the label by this point, or started? Yeah, yeah, I had yeah.
0: founded the label, um, and of course, I was curious, like what he was doing. But to tell you the truth, I never, you know i I've got this uh, angst all the time that people think just because you work in music that it means you're a, like a, a scout or something, you yeah. know, and you go to concerts to discover. Yeah, um, I I never do that. I um, again, I respect that people see it that way but to me that's kind of terrible because expectations are like completely out of place and and you treat something like with i don't know just a very cold uh viewpoint um no i ju- i literally just went to see my favorite band and was surprised to see him as a support and and then afterwards got talking with him and um and then there was all this like instrumental music that he did that um his label at the time wasn't really interested in, so yeah, I I just wanted to hear it and he shared it with me and I thought that was actually as beautiful a part of him, if not even a, a more beautiful part, because it was so pure and playful. Mm. And I always felt that his like lead instrument was the violin and um I I, I don't see him as a singer songwriter. Um I, I really see him more as a musical explorer mm-hmm. you know whether that's with the voice or with instruments he can literally anything he touches he can turn into an instrument you know just waiting for the taxi he would kind of tap on some <laughs> cardboard box uh that's in the hallway and with a big smile on his face you know and and i think peter gave me so much more than just music um like the friendship i have with him means an awful lot to me and He's one of those artists that you need to have on the label that grounds everything. Mm-hmm. Because what people often forget is that it's not a sport. You know, it's not about status or like agendas and all that. Like, um of course we all sometimes get an itch and we kind of uh, have a period where we just really want to achieve something yep. so badly. But then to tell you the truth, the, the artist that stay the most sane and remain just really kind people are the ones who don't see the rush you know who who don't who don't believe you when you tell them that they are geniuses because that's such a weird word to use anyways (laughs) you know um it's it's always flattering also to be regarded like a pioneering label or anything like that but the truth is like um Everyone inspires others, whether they want to or not. Like there's a, it's just part of the world how it works. You know, we all give energy, and um, depending on how we use it, and and you know how how well we rehearse and how much uh, we put into it, it will go far. Um, and yeah, and Peter is just someone who um, I I can always. Uh, like jump on the phone with um if 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 times are like difficult and he will help me put things in perspective and um and the other way around like for a certain moment in his career like he he felt really exhausted and mm. he almost gave up you know he he stopped making music for a while only to then discover that that's <laughs> impossible <laughs> um but that is so important to 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 kind of, uh, yeah, I I see it in a similar way with um, whether I make designs for like an architectural um, design um, or if I make, you know, like a plan for a release or something like that. The most important um, thing that needs to always be possible is that you kind of start from scratch. Yeah. You know, and if you work with people that hold on to an idea simply because it's, you know, it took a lot of time to get there. It's not the right attitude, I don't think. You know, because um, you know, it it kind of it's it starts controlling things and it starts becoming like a a, a very negative yeah uh, thing. So I think being able to to scratch everything and and you know that's part of being human and being able to play and be creative mm. so yeah anyways i i <laughs> <laughs> um got a little bit off uh
1: no he's not an incredible story and you've obviously had many many years like working with him so such an important part of erase tapes and and who you are
0: absolutely i'm not even the tapes i think uh like Peter's someone who is like at the center of so many connections. Mm. Like, you know, just simply by the, the relentless touring he's done and he's been a studio musician f- for so many bands um, and other artists in, in Portland, in Berlin. Like, he, he's so supportive. Um, I really, truly look up to him and, um, yeah, see him as, as like an, a good example of what you should be doing as a producer, as, a, as an artist. Um always give back, you know, always help um mm. and support each other um so yeah, and it's with great joy that I can introduce this new track that uh we released as part of a a collection of songs uh, with the title all together again um and little story here is actually it's not a record that he specifically recorded um to become a record, it's actually a collection of songs that he did throughout the last 10 years mm-hmm. um, and they all have a common threat in a way that they all were commissioned by a third party um, whether it's someone who wanted him to perform at a fashion show or someone who wanted him to write the music for a ferry boat ride um, on the Bosphorus in Istanbul or you know m- there was many uh, different commissions like music for a wedding reception and so on mm-hmm. Um And the beautiful thing about it was, like, it started with just one, with the track for the ferry ride, and I enjoyed it so much that I just felt like there needs to be more of that. Yeah. And just by talking about it, you know, he just sort of went into uh, his hard drives and, and found all these other commissions he had, and then after giving it a shot of like um, sequencing the tracks, it actually really feels like a consistent album because they were all done by Peter putting himself into sort of the, the mindset of these individuals that truly wanted him to, to create music for their purpose. And, um, and in that perspective, it's a very uh, coherent listen. Um, and yeah this particular track is called Robbie's Song it's not for me it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's an actor um, well a character in a, in, a, in a film called Robbie okay and just picture this teenage kid sitting in his room on the floor with headphones on who wants to sort of shut off the world mm. that's what this track is
1: okay amazing so this is Peach Project and Robbie's Song Great, so that was Peter Broderick and Robbie song, which is a new track. Um, So on to track four, and what have you brought in for us for track four? Uh,
0: This is very special. Um, This is a a piece by a Japanese um, artist, and uh, she stresses that she's a a voice performer rather than a vocalist or singer, um, which I fully agree with, like... um, she she uses her voice in a way um, other people use instruments. Um, and um, it's, it's wordless music. There's no lyrics, um, even though some people in the audience often assume that she's singing in Japanese or in a made-up language. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, she's just mimicking uh, sounds and textures of memories she had from growing up in Hokkaido, uh, which is the most northern part in Japan. Um, and still a very pure place, um, and without it sounding um, sort of hippie esque, uh, <laughs> I I really really uh, respect her like view of the world and how she can go to that place where everything is really primal, um, and. It's incredible to actually know that she's completely self-taught. Um, she's never studied music. Um, um, but since she was a child, whether the people around her enjoyed it or not, she was making sounds with her mouth and um, exploring uh, all sorts of music from like traditional Japanese um, uh, folk and, and, and classical music to like um, jazz, um, pop music, avant-garde music um and she had like a very important um uh moment um in in her younger uh life where she went to uh, tibet and i think she was in her teenage years and um one morning she woke up uh by the sound of someone singing and she went to the temple and saw like a, a young woman uh singing a, a prayer um and that was such a powerful thing to her to see how um especially a, um a, a female voice could like um create so many facets um um of emotion and um hadesnoe is a very uh, emotional being like she 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 very much puts herself into other people's situations mm-hmm. uh like a few weeks ago she told me that um her bike got stolen um after she just moved to london and um, like, without thinking about it much, I kind of said something along the lines that, you know, I could have told you so or so. Yeah. Um, which, obviously, I didn't mean uh, in that way. But um, but the thing was, like, um, she comes from a place in Japan people don't really steal, you know. Like, uh, it's, it's a very bad um, karma type of thing, you know. Like, so... Um, their perspective is is just a lot more um yeah a lot more balanced uh compared to our uh, society where a lot of people just feel like um they deserve better um in and, and yeah where she's from i think people just really appreciate what they have and um and they also are happy for what other people have um so what she was sad about was not that someone stole something from her like the loss of of the bicycle it was more that um, she was really sad about the fact that there must be someone out there who's in such a bad situation in their lives that they are forced to steal from others Mm. and i think there's something really beautiful about that because you know living in london that's something that you come across all the time that people get really aggravated and they have the mindset of like you know Screw that person, you know, like they must be using it for drugs or something. Yeah, and yeah. but they don't see the bigger picture that even if they do short-sightedly um steal something to to purchase drugs, like it, it still doesn't make make the the act any better and also their situation. Like usually people do drugs because they want to um escape from whatever is troubling them, you know, and, and numb themselves. So yeah and I think that really describes her perspective of um the world as a human being and then also um musically um I think she she keeps things really simple she wants to describe something that we can all relate to you know she doesn't again there's no lyrics and and there's no imagery that she wants to put onto you yeah um with her performance and, and also with her recorded music, she wants to give people a an opportunity to kind of um to enter a new room and to kind of define that themselves. Um so in that way she's very similar to the other um instrumentalists on the label. Um but she has a very special touch and and tone and and obviously it's incredible what she can do just with her voc- vocal cords. Mm. Um, it's sometimes even operatic and um yeah i i when i first heard this i i couldn't believe my ears like um it, it was in, in kyoto and some people some audience members even left not because they didn't um they didn't like it it was more that it, they were so taken by it mm. um especially women actually um a lot of uh, um female audience members afterwards like came up to her and, and also myself and explained that um they were so in awe of someone expressing with their full body in such a powerful way that yeah they, they realized how much they want to do the same. Oh wow. <laughs> and and that it was very um revealing and, and I thought that was amazing like yeah. to just see see that reaction. Yeah. Um, and this track that we're going to hear is um, is the first uh, track we just announced this uh, EP with um, on Tuesday. Uh, it's called Illogical uh, Lullaby, and it's the purest one on that EP in a way that um, there's no uh, added instruments, there's no editing, like she did everything uh, by herself, um, just with her voice. Enjoy. Well, <laughs> there it is.
1: I listened to, to that track actually before I came in today. And um, yeah, it's just, it's really, really different and definitely want to go and discover. Um, so finally, moving on to the fifth track. I think this is a, it's not released yet either. It's just a rival consoles track.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: And as of today, it's not out there, but it will be by the time
0: people listen to this podcast. Yeah. Yes. Which
1: is. Uh, Valentine's Day, actually, is when we're announcing our label of the month. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> don't know if this track really fits in with that, but tell us a little bit about it.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, let's talk about Rival consoles, Um aka Ryan Lee West, uh, who is my... I often describe him as my only friend <laughs> <laughs> um, because we spend so much time together um, touring the world and going to really obscure places where... Uh, he literally is the only person that I can sort of connect with and um uh, yeah he he was the first signing to erase tapes, but most importantly he he was like my first uh, proper proper uh, friendship that i that I uh, found coming to to england mm. um, as you can hear i 'm german born i uh, i 've been living in London for close to fifteen years now, um so I consider myself a londoner okay uh well let's put it that way a lot of londoners consider myself a <laughs> londoner that's when i realized okay uh, um it's fine to say that um because you know london is such a beast not many people actually stay and, and it changes all the time and mm. you know we all moved at least 10 times um well at least i did in that uh, stretch of time and and yeah ryan again similar to peter like um I'm I'm just really thankful for our uh, relationship. He is Leicester born, uh he's a he's a Midlands guy. Um he he, he says stuff like production, which uh <laughs> makes me makes me chuckle. And um I will never forget the first time he invited me to meet him uh in his family home in in, in um uh, um just a suburb of uh Leicester. Um i i entered his uh room which was literally a shoebox like it was you know half the size of the studio we're sitting in and he sort of uh was producing his early music sitting on the bed with like tiny little speakers that couldn't even like truly represent the mm-hmm. the range of sound and yeah and just like the first Sort of message I got from him uh, on MySpace. He was just very energetic and very. He's just so pure, you know. Mm-hmm. He, he's the only person who could say something like, you know, it will sell like hotcakes, you know, <laughs> uh, without sounding like a complete dick, yeah, you know. Yeah. Like he, he's not. He doesn't think of himself as better than than others at all. Um, uh, he just uses very <laughs> bold words, and <laughs> and I love it. And we clicked instantly, and. One beautiful moment was we went down to the kitchen and his mom was just making us some tea and, and he just took like a spoon and he smashed this pan, you know, just like created this like really loud sound. And I guess his mom is used to it, but that's something that doesn't really happen uh, in my kitchen. Uh, so, <laughs> so just watching him do that and how he looked at me with this like spark in his eyes, how, how excited he is about sound you know i just knew that okay this this is what what he's about you know this is what what's so important um and since then i've just been kind of his um yeah his buddy in in going on that quest and you know getting him to a stage where he could afford, like, a synthesizer he always dreamed of and that he could only play in the store for, like, uh, an hour or so and then had to <laughs> leave and... and <laughs> oh, amazing. You know, every every relationship, every single thing uh, in regards to, you know, um, traveling or, or achievements that we have are always directly related to, like, uh, an instant feeling of nurturing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and giving my friend an opportunity so it's a very it's a very beautiful um thing to actually work with someone who is your best friend you know like there's no conflict of interest or any of these things that people often mention mm. at all because we're super transparent and we both uh don't take ourselves too seriously, you know so there's a lot of <laughs> funny <laughs> moments <laughs> um, yeah and and it's very it's very much um part of his music and and this new record um it's called persona uh which we're going to announce on on Tuesday um is it's just another step in a direction of of exploring um you know what it is that 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 kind of uh gets him out of bed every day and and he called it persona because he was very inspired by um the Ingmar Bergman film uh, with the same name and in particular, the scene in the opening, where a girl is standing at a screen, uh, touching the screen, and the face on the screen, uh, all of a sudden changes, um, and you can see just by the um, sort of yeah the the way the the child looks at the screen that it kind of um, creates this idea of you know what is reality? Who am I? Like what? Uh, how many different personas um sort of make me you know uh, what is the difference between the inside and the outside um how do people perceive me how do i perceive people and so on like um and it's a very simple tiny thing you know but he just that had such a big impact on him that he started exploring that with sound and to kind of simplify that for the listener um so he's using um, a lot of the time he's using a prophet synthesizer and he does um, sort of uh, pitch bends on it where he kind of bends the tone and and it cre- it creates like this kind of warped sound like where you know like it would <laughs> just kind of yeah literally form um, outside of the grid um, of a musical scale and, and so he used a lot of that for the title track as well as uh, throughout the album where um he just felt like that was really interesting um to play with those um edges and, and those um again, I guess similar to how Niels plays with the space between notes, he um and kind of opt for silence most of the time. Um like Ryan would be someone who likes to kind of blur the lines, um, but using the sound itself. Um and by trade, he's a guitarist, like he gave guitar lessons for many years to survive in in london and um and you can hear that like he's the way he makes electronic music is not like a someone who wants to create music that functions in the club mm. you know he doesn't really stick to that grid and and kind of pulse that needs to be consistent to keep the crowd going, you know he doesn't really care about that um so his approach is a lot more like uh, in a way that, say, Caius would make uh, rock music or, you know. um, Yeah, and and he... Like, with this particular track that we're going to listen to, uh, which is the opening um, track, um, there's, like, a beautiful evolution. Like, he's kind of introducing all the different elements from the album bit by bit, and um, I love how towards the end it all comes together and it creates this like uh almost euphoric uh theme um but in the beginning it's literally just a little bit of a um a very light pulse and yeah i'm very excited about this one and again i chose it deliberately to be on this uh on this compilation you guys are giving away um and the shops because i like to look forward you know i I'm much more excited about leaking (laughs) some music that's to be released (laughs) than like trying to define some best moments and highlights of 10 years. It's like incredibly difficult. Yeah,
1: I very much appreciate that. So thank you so much for sharing this with us and really excited to be able to play it today. So this is unfolding. by rival consoles so that's your five tracks that you've shared with us today they're all incredible thank you so much um thank you so much for coming in today and for meeting with me and talking to us um we're so excited to have you guys as our label focus uh here at rough trade and i really really hope that this podcast enables people to discover all your incredible artists and your incredible music if they don't know about it already um I've got one final question before we sort of wrap up, which is, and you were speaking just now about, you always like to look ahead. So I'd like to ask what's, what's maybe the future for Erased Tapes and maybe not looking to your 20th birthday, but like, what do you see? What can we expect for the foreseeable future?
0: Well, I mean, I, I I like to think that we just um, keep exploring and keep, you know, uh, doing what we're doing because honestly like um i mean maybe it's also because we just finished a, a, a really exciting 10th year with with many many challenges and events and, mm-hmm. and big projects um but i honestly just feel so excited about um you know what's what's coming uh this year from like all sorts of different directions you know like i, th- I think a big year that like that um uh, instantly, kind of puts you into a mindset where you kind of want to be selective moving forward. Like, and I don't m- mean that in like a sort of elitist uh, yeah, <laughs> kind of way. way. Restrictive yeah. way, yeah, yeah. More, more like um, again, like questioning uh, how you want to present music. How, how you know? How do you want to go forward in uh, supporting young artists, especially like this year? We'll see a lot of um sort of first solo uh, releases by artists that I've been working with um in one way or another for a while. But like for them it's like a um a very vulnerable and, and pure moment to kind of release something of their own. And I'm I'm really excited about finding um, you know, similar to the other artists on the labor, finding what makes them so special and why I think their music needs to be heard um it's you know it's often actually that i don't I don't really see it like I want people to um discover a particular artist i if anything, I want people to have the opportunity like myself as the first listener to this music to actually s- discover something a bit about ourselves mm-hmm. you know like it's it's really like a collective um communal spirit. Um that kind of unites us all and um outside of erased tapes, like you know we live in a sort of um, yeah in a political climate where I think we all want to um uh, question things, you know we, we want we want to um start um kind of being more present in a physical sense, you know, really defining what, family is what what uh community is and and yeah be careful about decisions that we make because you know i don't know about you but like um in in recent times i think a lot of us uh gave in to um things way too easily um and i think music always um plays a big part in that in in helping us uh figure that out whatever that is um, but yeah, thanks you thank you so much for having uh, me. Oh you're and-
1: welcome. Thank you so much for, for speaking to us. Everyone go check out Ray's Tapes, as I said before, and we'll catch you next time.
0: Rough Trade Radio.
1: I'm all out of place
0: Blood, the new album by Rye
2: It's on this ray.
0: Available in store
2: and online at roughtrade.com. You're all out of place, my babe. It's written on your face.